Okay, here we go. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Killer Babes. I'm Katie. And I'm Kirby. <laughs> My voice just like shot. Um, and this is part two of our episode. Well, it might be episode 21. I don't know. Part two of our finale. I liked 20.2 because then it 20. stays on 20. Like we did 20 episodes. It's like a clean number even. But we didn't call the first one 20.1. Well, it was 20 episode 20 part one. Oh. So this is episode, episode 20, 20 part two. two. 20.2. Because we can't go to 21 because it's an odd number. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like odd numbers. Yeah, I don't either. But it is divisible. Yeah, I guess. That's cool. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) part one was really long. We know that. Part two is probably not going to be as long. But this is the one where we're going to tell you all of our experiences. Paranormal. All the lovely stories from the Lizzie Borden house. Mm -hmm. And we'll just have to tell you about that night because the whole night was kind of crazy but it was really crazy so we'll hop right in um i know we ended the first one with rather long back and forth questioning yeah um i feel like i got mixed reviews from that yeah some people were like that was really long and then but like my mom was like thought it was really interesting so i think it is really interesting because we left out quite a bit actually from it from day one um but if you thought that was long like just imagine being questioned on drugs (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. So we ended the long questioning when the hearing was adjourned, and now Lizzie Borden is recalled on August 11th. Mm-hmm. And just a little recap, I am the questioner. Yeah, and I'm Lizzie. So I guess we'll just get started. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is there anything you would like to correct in your previous testimony? No, sir. Your attention has already been called to the circumstances of going into the drugstore of Smith's on the corner of Columbia and Main Streets by some officer Has it not on the day before the tragedy? I don't know whether some officer has asked me. Somebody has spoken of it to me. I don't know who it was. Did you go into the drugstore and inquire for prussic acid? I did not. Did you dine with the family that day? I was downstairs, yes, sir. I did not eat breakfast with them. Did you go into the drugstore for any purpose, whatever? I did not. I think you said yesterday that you did not go into the room where your father lay after he was killed on the sofa but only looked in at the door. I looked in. I did not go in. You did not step into the room at all? I did not. Did you ever, after your mother was found killed, any more than go through it to go upstairs? When they took me upstairs, they took me through that room. Otherwise than that, did you go into it? No, sir. Was the dress that was given the officers the same dress that you wore that morning? Yes, sir. The Indian silk? No, sir. It is not an India silk. It is silk and linen. Some call it Bengaline silk. Did you give it to the officer, the same shoes and stockings that you wore? I did, sir. Do you remember where you took them off? I wore the shoes ever ever after that, all around the house Friday and all day Thursday and all day Friday and Saturday, until I put on my shoes for the street. Did you tell us yesterday all the errands that you had at the barn? Yes, sir. You have nothing to add to what you said? No, sir. Miss Borden, Of course you appreciate the anxiety that everybody has to find the author of this tragedy, and the directions that I put you to have been in that direction. I now ask you if you can furnish any other fact or give any other, even suspicion, that will assist the officers in any way in this matter. About two weeks ago, was you going to tell the occurrence about the man that called at the house? No, sir. It was after my sister went away. I came home from Miss Russell's one night, and as I came up, I always glanced toward the side door. As I came along by the carriageway, I saw a shadow on the side steps. 
I did not stop walking, but I walked slower. Somebody ran down the steps around the east end of the house. I thought it was a man because I saw no skirts, and I was frightened, and of course I did not go around to see. I hurried in the front door as fast as I could and locked it. Is there anything else you can suggest that even amounts to anything whatever? I know of nothing else except the man who came and father ordered him out. That is all I know. That you told about the other day? I think I did, yes, sir. You have not been able to find that man? I have not. I don't know whether anybody else has or not. Have you caused search to be made for him? Yes, sir. When was the officer of reward made for the detection of the criminals? I think it was made Friday. Who suggested that? We suggested it ourselves and asked Mr. Buck if he did not think it was a good plan. Whose suggestion was it? Yours or Emma's? I don't remember. I think it was mine. And that was a way shorter examination. <laughs> yeah, examination ended. That was pretty short. We cropped a little bit because they do like go over um, all the things that they went over day okay. one, too. Yeah, it seems like he was just being like, are you sure this is what you said? Yeah. And just making sure everything's straight. Yeah, it was pretty much. And like nothing was straight because she changed her answer so many times. <laughs> but. So, like we said, that's just a snippet. But if you are interested in reading the whole thing, you can. It's online quite um, available. And it's very uh, interesting, we think. Of course, Lizzie was probably very anxious and scared during the questioning, not to mention she was drugged up on morphine, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. So the judges concluded that Lizzie, at the time of the coroner's inquest, was for all practical purposes a prisoner charged with two murders, and that her testimony at the inquest, made in the absence of her attorney, was not voluntary. Lizzie should have been warned, the judges said, that she had a right under the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution to remain silent. The judges rejected the state's argument that Lizzie was only a suspect, not a prisoner, at the time of the inquest, and that anyway her statement should be admitted because it was in the nature of a denial rather than a confession. The prosecution rested its case on June 14th after one final defeat. The state wanted to have druggist Eli Bentz uh, recount for the jury his story of Lizzie Borden visiting a Fall River drugstore on the day before the murders and asking for 10 cents worth of prussic acid, a poison that we have previously talked about. With the jurors excused, each leaving the courtroom with a palm leaf fan and ice water. <laughs> Is that like actually a palm, you think? Yeah, I think so. Like in like, oh, okay. Um, the state tried to establish through medical experts, druggists, furriers and chemists, qualities, properties, and uses of prussic acid. The judges, after listening to the state's foundational case, concluded, concluded that the evidence should be excluded. So, big L for the defense, or uh, prosecution, I mean. Mm -hmm. The defense presented only a handful of witnesses, Charles Gifford and Uria Kirby. Ah, there was a Kirby! That's me. Last name, though. Reported seeing a strange man near the Borden house around 11 o'clock on the night before the murders. Dr. Benjamin Hanfee testified that he saw a pale-faced young man on the sidewalk near 92 2nd Street around 10.30 on August 4th. A plumber and gas fitter testified that in a day or two before the murders, they had been in the Borden's barn loft, casting doubt on police assertions that Lizzie's alibi was suspect because dust in the loft appeared undisturbed. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Of course, the defense's most anticipated witness was Emma Borden, the older sister of Lizzie. She testified that Lizzie and her father enjoyed a pretty good relationship. She told the jurors that the gold ring that was found on the little finger of Andrew Borden's body was given to him you know, like 10, 15 years ago by Lizzie, and he prized it. He loved it. 
Emma also insisted that relations between Lizzie and her stepmother were cordial, which is actually what Lizzie said during the inquest testimony. Mm. Even as she admitted to lingering resentment herself over the transfer by her father of the Fall River home, which Emma called grandfather's house to Abby and her sister. So they both, I guess, are a little bitter about the transfer, but I think that's understandable. The defense also hoped that Emma might testify that the Bordens had a custom of disposing of remnants and pieces of dresses by burning. But again, the court ruled that inadmissible as uh, evidence, too. Yeah. So very, very rough. It's not going great. So they wanted her to just say that that's something that they did a lot, like burning yeah. houses. Like. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I think the biggest part was just like confirming that she was there. She watched them burn it and that it was the dress. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, it's her sister. She's going to back it up. Summing up for the defense, A.V. Jennings argued, quote, There is not one particle of direct evidence in this case from beginning to end against Lizzie A. Borden. There is not a spot of blood. There is not a weapon that they have connected with her in any way, shape, or fashion. End quote. Following Jennings, Governor Robinson, in his closing speech for the defense, insisted that the crime must have been committed by a manic, a manic maniac, or a devil. It couldn't be connected or committed by someone with a respectable background of his client. He said the state had failed to meet its burden of providing guilt beyond a reasonable doubt and that it was physically impossible for Lizzie, without the help of a Confederate, to have committed the crime within the timeline suggested by the prosecution. Robinson ridiculed the theory that Lizzie might have avoided getting blood spots on her clothes by killing her parents while stark naked, and argued that the murders might as well have been committed by an intruder who passed out of the house undetected. I mean, if you're going to kill someone, you might as well kill them naked. Mm, yeah. I think so. That might be the move. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the new move. <laughs> I don't want to give any recommendations or tips and tricks on this podcast. I mean, hello, think about it. It's smart. You're not getting any evidence on you. You just And then you just hop in the shower. It is, yeah. There's no clothes to dispose of. I mean, yeah. the only thing I can think of is if you have, like, jewelry on or something, like, mm. that has indents. Maybe blood gets in Ooh, the indent. Oh, that is very, yeah. I've seen that on CSI. Really? Yeah, like, oh people goodness. wearing watches. Like, and you know how watches have, like, Oh, yeah. The, like, chain links, so Mm -hmm. they, like, zoomed in, and there was, like, a little spot of blood on it. Yeah. So if you're going stark naked, you better be stark, stark, stark. Yeah, take off all the jewelry that you stole from your stepmom. Yeah. And (laughs) all that jewelry (laughs) that was, like, never found. (laughs) So after Hosea Noelton's able summing up of the prosecution's evidence, Justice Dewey charged the jury. According to one newspaper report, the judge, quote, had been the senior counsel for the defense making the closing plea on behalf of the defendant, he could not have been more absolutely pointed out the folly of depending upon circumstantial evidence alone, end quote. It was, as the newspaper said, a remarkable charge and a plea for the innocent. Justice Dewey told the jurors that they should take into account Lizzie's exceptional Christian character, (laughs) which, you know, entitled her to every interference in her favor. Because again, women are flowers and they can't do this. Especially if you're a flower of God. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love. love <laughs> mm. Mm. On June 20th, 1893, the jury deliberated for an hour and a half. That's nothing. That's chump change. That's chump change. And it only <laughs> took this jury an hour and a half before they returned with their verdict. Not guilty. 
Not guilty, y'all. It was impossible to directly link Lizzie to the brutal crime. When they said not guilty, Lizzie let out a yell, sank into her chair, and rested her hands on a courtroom rail. And then it's alleged that she put her face in her hands and then let out a second cry of joy. Soon, Emma, her counsel, and courtroom spectators were rushing to congratulate Lizzie. She hid her face in her sister's arms and announced, quote, Now take me home. I want to go to the old place and go at once tonight. End Girl quote. just wants to go home. She was tired. I am curious because I just don't understand. Like, they're all saying that she's not guilty because they can't find any, like, hardcore <laughs> evidence. It's all circumstantial. But they dismissed all of it. <laughs> they don't do They do not do anything back then. They don't do blood analysis or fingerprinting or, like, any, like, hair, d- like, DNA shit. Yeah. What is What could possibly be evidence that you would... The biggest piece of evidence, I think, was the inquest testimony, which got thrown out. Because it's literally her yeah. statement saying... Which, still, like, even that is, like, hearsay. Like, you're not... You shouldn't even put a person in jail if, even if they can, like admit to killing like i feel like you still have yeah. evidence but i don't well they had evidence like they said they went up to the barn when she was like i was in the barn for 20 minutes they went up and there were no footprints it was dusty so she wasn't in the barn right but that's still not like con- like that's not something no. that links her to murdering I guess not, it just no. means that she wasn't up there maybe it makes her more suspicious right and so i get there's like no evidence against her i get that but i also don't know what even would be evidence in that time and day like yeah there's no fingerprints i don't know I guess a witness, if there had been an actual yeah. witness, but I think, well, we'll go into what, like, thoughts and possibilities at the end, but. Yeah, I was just pondering about that. Papers generally praised the jury's verdict. The New York Times, for example, editorialized, quote, it will be a certain relief to every right-minded man or woman who has followed the case to learn that the jury at New Bedford has not only acquitted Miss Lizzie Borden of the atrocious crime with which she has been charged, but has done so with a promptness that was very significant. The Times added that it considered the verdict, quote, a condemnation of the police authorities of Fall River who secured the indictment and have conducted the trial, end quote. Guys, keep in mind, the Fall River police, they're trying. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Because we'll try. That's their motto. Go back and listen to our old episodes, guys. We got some uh, inside jokes that you would understand better. Not stopping there, the Times editorialist blasted the vanity of ignorant and untrained men charged with the detection of crime. In smaller cities, the police in Fall River, the editorial concluded, are, quote, the usual inept and stupid and muddle-headed sort that such towns manage to get for themselves. Ooh. Yeah, that's a little heated, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It is probably fair to say that, however likely it might be that Lizzie Borden did murder her parents, the prosecution failed to meet its burden of proving guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. That is the burden of the prosecution, always. The state's case rested largely on the argument that it was impossible for anyone else to have committed the crime. For the board and jury that, and a few other suspicious actions on Lizzie's part, such as burning a dress, turned out not to be enough for a conviction. Had the defendant been a male, some speculate, the jury might have been more inclined to convict. One of the defense's great advantages that was that most people in 1893 found it hard to believe that such a sweet-looking Christian woman with a great background could have pulled off such brutal killings, like we've said many times. I would also like to point out, though, we've seen pictures of Lizzie. I mean, you can just Google her, but, like, I don't know. I know the porches are from, like, chest up or whatever, but, like, girl looks like she might be buff. Yeah. Like, I see some, like, shoulder, like, yeah. action going on. In and there. I don't know if it's the puffy dresses, but I think <laughs> you could wield, like, a 
ex a it, couple times. It might be the puppy joneses, times but might not be out of her reach. I don't think so. I mean, you think what? Like an Andrew Borden would be better at it? He's old and frail. Yeah. Lizzie is in her prime. Yeah. She's like 30. I feel like it's definitely not too hard. And if it, it wasn't even like a full-on axe, right? It was more like a hatchet. Mm-hmm. So, or well, I guess they don't actually know because they don't actually know if that was the weapon. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> they don't actually know what the weapon is. I don't know. I'm just saying I think it's, I think it's possible. I think we shouldn't underestimate a woman's ability. Or, yeah, a woman's ability to yeah. hack people to pieces. Mm-hmm. Keep it in mind... The two Borden sisters supported each other throughout the trial. When Lizzie was accused of the murders, Emma became the sole in- inheritor of the Borden fortune, which she then used to prove Lizzie's innocence. Sisters gotta stick together, y'all! <laughs> After the trial, Lizzie Borden returned to Fall River, where she and her sister Emma purchased an impressive home on the hill, which they called Maplecroft. So in the end, they got what they wanted. They got the house on the hill. And, um, yeah, they called it Maplecroft. Lizzie took an interest in theater, frequently attending plays and often associating with actors, artists, and, quote, bohemian types. Despite Lizzie being proved not guilty, the two sisters were rejected by the main Fall River Society. Even with a new house in a gray area and going by Lizbeth over Lizzie now, people shied away from her. So she did. She changed her name from Lizzie Borden, which was never. It was never Elizabeth Borden. It, yeah. it was just Lizzie. Mm-hmm. Um, but she changed that to Lizbeth because that's she wanted a a new life, if you will. Yeah. Well, also new we persona. heard. I mean, I don't even know if we're gonna say this, but probably not. Um, I think it was the tour guide that told us that it was about this time, like after she had been found not guilty and she was kind of living on her own. That that's when that little rhyme came out about Lizzie Borden took an axe. And so it came out while she was still alive. Like, people yeah, were... She knew about like, it. Like, that's rough. I mean, whatever. If she did it, she deserves it. But I'm just saying, like... Did she do it? I don't dun, know. Dun, exactly. Uh... So I think she heard that and she was like, oh, like, I should probably change my name. Like, that's, <laughs> that's rough. So she changed her name to Lizbeth. And um, it was very well known that she was shunned by all in fall river you know she got where she wanted to go she got to the hill but it seemed that no one really wanted to interact with her after that except for the theater people it's a very known fact that she loved the theater and she always hung out with theater people um she just found her people lizbeth found her tribe yes she was shunned people refused to sit next to her at church and children would ring her doorbell in the middle of the night and pelt her house with gravel and eggs. Wow, they were doing that back then, huh? Mm-hmm. Egg and houses? Lizzie really couldn't escape her famous name. Once in 1926, she entered a hospital and tried to use an alias. And everyone knew who she was, but pretended not to for her benefit. That's nice. I guess. Emma moved out of Maplecroft in 1905. She lived out in an isolated life in Newmarket, Merrimack, New Hampshire. Lizzie continued to live in Maplecroft until she caught pneumonia at age 67 and died on June 1st, 1927. Not sure if this is true, but I guess she planned her own funeral, having left a guest list. <laughs> this, I think this, didn't the tour guide tell us this? I feel like I it. think she yeah. did. This uh, is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, she planned her own funeral and she had a guest, uh, she left a guest list. And when they arrived, they were all told that the funeral was the night before. (laughs) I feel like it was just like the biggest F you. Like, I can't even. This girl is out of this world. (laughs) 
It really is. She left her remaining heirs of $225,000. Wow. I, I'm considering that. Really? Well, I'll tell, like, all the people I love. Like, I'll make two lists, right? Okay. One is, like, the people, like, I actually like and I want to show up and, like, celebrate yeah. me because I'm awesome. And then the second <laughs> list will be <laughs> all my haters, all my many haters. And, yeah, they're just going to get told that the funeral's the night before. They Can missed it. Can you just it. imagine <laughs> everyone coming? Because I'm sure everyone was nosy and they wanted to go anyway. Like, it was Yo, kind of yeah. the only event in town, probably, that I'm guessing, that they were like, oh, today's the day. Let's just go out to a funeral. Yeah. And then they get there. <laughs> they're like, yeah, you missed it. What? <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, we all missed it? How yeah. did we all get this wrong? <laughs> so funny. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Whew. So, the day Lizzie died, Emma had an accident and broke her hip. And it just so happens that Emma herself died only nine days after Lizzie died. She died to chronic nephritis on June 10th, 1927. At the time of Emma's death, her net worth was $450,000 in that time. And she had donated most of her property to various charities. She actually donated a lot of her money to the animal shelter. Mm -hmm. I don't think we say that, but um, the tour guide told us that, and I've read that in a lot of places. She was a huge animal lover. That's a good thing to note. The Borden sisters are buried by the graves of her of their parents in Fall River's Oak Grove Cemetery. To this day, nobody else was charged for the Borden, Borden murders, and the case still remains officially unsolved. This is a unsolved case, guys. Cold case. Cold. From... Cold as ice from the 1890s. So if anyone wants to step up, all you internet sleuths, try to crack this one. Uh, you probably won't, but, you know. So if you're interested in solving it, you are more than welcome to go to the Lizzie Borden house. Our tour guide told us that FBI have gone through there. Mm -hmm. uh, they take field trips. She was very like, yeah, we can't. FBI people coming through here trying to solve it. She's like, I don't know what they're thinking they're going to yeah. do. <laughs> they try to recreate the scene and everything. I mean, there's been a lot of people who've gone through trying to solve it. But yeah. Highly recommend you try. <laughs> if you think you know who killed the Bordens, you should definitely book a stay. If not Lizzie, then who? Only Lizzie had a good opportunity to commit the murders. At the time of her mother's murder, or stepmother's murder, mm, correction, around, yeah, correction, correct yourself. she would have corrected me, which was around 9.30 a.m., household guest John Morris was visiting relatives. Sister Emma was out of town. Andrew Borden was running errands around town. And maid Bridget Sullivan mm -hmm. was outside washing windows. Only Lizzie was known to be in the house at the time of Abby Borden's murder. To commit both murders, an in outside intruder would have had to either hide in the house for 90 minutes or depart and then return without being seen. Whoever did it, it looks like an inside job. Mm -hmm. Police found no signs of forced entry into the Borden home. And remember the fact that the Bordens always locked their doors due to a break-in earlier. Also, nothing appeared to be stolen, which would have been weird because they were wealthy. Yeah. It's not like they weren't just because they weren't in the wealthiest part of town. They were still pretty wealthy. And no stranger was seen entering or leaving the Borden house on the morning of the murders. And they live on a fairly busy street. There would have been people, carriages. Yeah, it's a crowded street. Yeah. So the following that we're about to bring you are just kind of random points to be made. Interesting tidbits, if you will. I think they might help shine a little bit of light on what happened. And it 
also could just make you more confused. <laughs> it kind of depends on your stance on Lizzie Borden and the crimes. Do you think she did it? Do you don't? I mean, if you don't, there's some here that would support your argument. So, As in some she here? Did, as in one yeah. of us would support her? No, like some of these like random points. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh, I was like, that's not my stance, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> On August 3rd, the day before the murders, witnesses identified Lizzie Borden as having visited the Smith's drugstore in Fall River, where she attempted to purchase that prussic acid. And she explained that she needed the acid to clean a sealskin cape. The druggist then, you know, refused to sell the prussic acid. So that's one little tidbit that it's kind of interesting. Yeah, these are, I think, just notes to keep in mind about. Yeah. And we've talked about all of them, but just little points that might, you know, make or break the case. Mm-hmm. On the night before the murders, Lizzie visited a neighbor, Alice Russell, that bitch who just oh, threw her wow. under the bus. <laughs> don't be an Alice, guys. Yeah, don't be an Alice. And told her that she feared some unidentified enemy. 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 I see an enemy. Don't hurt yourself, kid. An unidentified enemy of her father might soon try to kill him. Lizzie told the police that while she was alone in the house with her stepmother on the morning of the murder, a messenger came to the door with a note summoning her mother, stepmother, to visit a sick friend. Lizzie told people that she just assumed that her stepmother left, despite a very thorough search of the Borden home. No alleged note was ever found. And although Lizzie claimed to have been downstairs at the very time, her stepmother was violently hacked to death upstairs. Mm -hmm. She said she heard no alarming noises. Despite her mother would have been, or stepmother would have been struck multiple times and fell to the floor. Yeah. It's kind of a lot of sound to be echoing through a house it's like that. It's not that big of a house, if we're being honest. Um, probably very creaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Uh, so when Bridget Sullivan came back inside after having finished washing outside windows around 10.30 a.m., she reported hearing a muffled laugh coming from upstairs. She assumed it was Lizzie making the noise. Lizzie denied being upstairs during this time period between her mother's murder and her father's murder, but it came out during the questioning that she was upstairs periodically. So, Bridget is laying upstairs, taking a little siesta, but in her testimony, she claims she might not have been 100% asleep during the murders, but didn't hear anything during the very brutal and probably loud murders. Maybe the maid has something to do with it? Yeah. Maybe she was asleep? I don't know. Do you get paralysis? I've only had sleep paralysis, like, once or twice. I get it when I take naps. You get it a lot. Almost every time I take, like, naps, I So then it. you can hear everything around you. You just don't. You can't react. Um, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I would, I don't think that's what happened in this case, but, um, it's, like, that kind of thing where, like, you're not 100% asleep. Mm-hmm. Your body is, like, a thousand percent asleep. Like, your body can't move, but, like, mm-hmm. your mind isn't really all asleep. Oh. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so she says she didn't hear anything, but who knows? This brings us to a popular fan theory. This fan theory is that Maggie and Lizzie were in cahoots. Mm-hmm. They were both involved. Some speculate that the stepmother found out that they were planning to kill her and then kill Mr. Borden to cover it up. Allegedly, later in life, Lizzie had a crush on an actress, which caused Emma to move out of the shared house. That's some heavy speculation. Yeah, there's a huge conspiracy that Lizzie was um, a lesbian and that 
there were some relations going on. Yeah, within but the act. There's can... absolutely no evidence of this. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. All we know is that they she was friends with a lot of the she was I don't remember the actress's name, but she was really good friends with one actress in particular. Mm-hmm. But you know, they might have just been friends and she had them over to her Maplecroft house like all the time for parties and stuff. Again, speculation. At the time of the murder of Andrew Borden, Lizzie claimed to have been in the loft of the backyard barn for 15 to 20 minutes looking for lead sinkers for a fishing excursion. Police found the loft so stiflingly hot that it was difficult to believe anyone would voluntarily remain there for 20 minutes. They also found no footprints in the loft that could sustain Lizzie's story. But, you know, we also just said that there were people that claimed that they had been in that barn couple days before Mm -hmm. and so that doesn't make sense that's why there's no footprints so that's a mystery lizzie had a strained relationship with her stepmother obviously uh well not obviously might not be true but it's a huge it was cordial apparently it's a huge um question which to me i always think like cordial is just being nice because you're an adult but you don't actually like them oh for sure we have to do that every day yeah I liked <laughs> I liked when he was questioning her and he was like, so you guys are cordial? And she was like, I guess that depends on your definition of cordiality. <laughs> <laughs> Super true. Oh, that girl's sassy. I it's like not her. a lie to say they were cordial. I mean, yeah, in her definition of cordial, they were. So um, but they still they usually ate their meals separately. Also, she was 32, you know. Yeah. You can't eat every meal with your parents at 32. No, you cannot. You cannot. <laughs> Some theorize that Lizzie resented the fact that her father transferred uh, the follower of her home to Abby's sister rather than to her and her sister. Police noted that during her interview, Lizzie insisted that Abby be described as her stepmother, not her mother, as we've mentioned. Although Lizzie appeared to have a somewhat better relationship with her father, there were problems there as well. Lizzie was outraged, for example, when her father beheaded pigeons in the barn loft for which she had built a roost. Sad. She was also, as we noted earlier, known to be frugal. He was known to be frugal with his money. Perhaps that caused some strain on their relationships. Perhaps he was a little bit of a stickler when it came to dating. We don't know. We weren't there, but it's possible. Yeah, and then there is, like, another fan theory or conspiracy that says that Andrew Borden molested his daughters. But, again, there's absolutely no evidence that that happened. And the way that the house is set up upstairs, like, there's no way that if he just molested just Lizzie, that the whole house wouldn't know about it. Because oh, yeah. every room's connected. Yeah. So either he did and literally everyone in the house knew, or well, he didn't because there's no evidence for it. I mean, yeah. But it, it's also, 18, like, I was reading a little bit about this, and it is a huge theory, but there's also, like, you just can't. There's just nothing to back it up. But... The, a lot of people are talking about how, like, it's 1890 and, like, it's this wealthy family in Fall River. Like, if he's doing that, mm-hmm. no like, they're not going to say anything. They can't say anything. No. Even if they did, no one would do anything about it. Yeah. Like, and that's just how it was. Abby was so young. And she, I think it is pretty possible that she literally just got married to clean the house and take care of That's what children. it sounded like. I mean, yeah. It the tour guide was telling good. us that, like, literally Abby and Bridget, like, split the cleaning. Like, they both mm-hmm. did it. But, like. Why would she was getting maid? paid because yeah. she's maid and Abby wasn't. She just lives there. Well, I guess in a sense she got paid because she had a roof over her head. She got fed. She got to probably buy a couple things with his money. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really unfortunate at the time for women. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's part of the speculation is that, like, Andrew and 
his second wife Abby like weren't intimate or whatever, and he, mm-hmm. so people think that you know maybe he was turning to his daughters that were right living in the house. Um, but yeah, like you said, it would be it would definitely the whole house would know because of the way that the rooms like you have to yeah. go like completely through the entire house to get to her room, or you have to make a big scene of like unlocking this boarded up door yeah it's tough so because lizzie and emma basically shared a room like they have oh yeah a room inside they, of a room yeah it was like a like yeah two bedrooms in one room kind of and she would have known yeah so no evidence there but in the weeks before the murders following an apparent family argument lizzie and her sister emma left fall river by coach for new bedford and when lizzie returned she chose to stay in a rooming house for four days rather than in her own room in the family residence. Kind of weird, kind of interesting. But also, again, you're 30. Like, maybe you just want some time to yourself. <laughs> yeah. In 1891, cash and jewelry were stolen from the master bedroom in the Borden home. It was an open secret that Lizzie was suspected. And, you know, she was probably the thief. And she'd also been accused by several local merchants of shoplifting. We tell you earlier in the other episode that um, maybe she wasn't shoplifting, but people just thought she was. Um, Her father did tell everybody in town that just put it on my tab. (laughs) Put it on my tab. And while stealing or shoplifting is far from murder, it might suggest that she had a deviant streak. Didn't the tour guide also say that? So it's very well suspected that Lizzie stole Abby's jewelry, but she didn't steal any of the jewelry. She only stole the pieces that were, mm-hmm. like, handed down to Abby from Abby's mother, right? Yeah, it was personal. Yeah, she was like, yeah, she only stole, like, the very personal items, like, to make a point. And, and no one like, would have known that, like, a common thief right? at all. So, yeah, yeah. it's pretty <laughs> legit that it was an inside job. <laughs> And then immediately after the discovery of her parents' bodies, Lizzie sent various persons to help various errands, I guess. It seems strange that a woman would choose to remain alone in a house if she thought a murderer was still on the loose. Mm -hmm. But she wanted to stay. Emma stayed with her. And then um, the frenemy Alice stayed for a couple. Frenemy. On August 7th, three days after the murder... Uh, Alice Russell observed Lizzie. <laughs> Kirby is singing about Alice. <laughs> I just don't get why she's there. Like, go home. You have your own house. <laughs> like, seriously. Are you ser- like, if you were concerned about a murderer running on the loose, you're going to invite yourself over to the murderer's house? Realistically, if I was the neighbor, I would think, like, okay, Andrew and Abby were just killed. Lizzie and Emma are next. Like, the killer's going to come back to the house. I don't know. Well, it was also being watched by police. Yeah, it was. I would think that the things, the move would be to get your friends, Emma and Lizzie, to, like, leave and go to stay at your house. house. Yeah. Again, I just think she was a nosy Nelly. But she observed Lizzie burning the blue dress and the kitchen fire. And then when asked about it, Lizzie explained that she chose to destroy the dress because there was old paint on it. Newspapers and the public just couldn't let it go. And some speculate that she did it in a, I think you say it, fugu or fugue state. I thought it was fugue. Oh, fugue. It might be French, maybe. I don't know. But what it is, it's a a period of loss of awareness of someone's identity. So it's associated with hysteria or epilepsy, basically meaning that if she did do it, uh, Lizzie would have been in a a different state and that she committed the crimes naked um, or if she committed the crimes naked, it would just explain why there was absolutely no mess on her and just a little smudge of, quote, paint on her dress. The argument for this is that the dress from that time period 
would have been very time consuming to take on and off. Think uh, modern day 2019 jumpsuit times five when you're trying to take it off at night at a bar to go to the loo. Oh my God. Yeah, that's how tough it was. It had buttons and all that bullshit. So (laughs) to take the dress on and off would have taken time unless there was someone to help you. Um, Unless you kind of only put it on as a smock, but I doubt that happened. And time was of the essence. I mean, there was only good 40 half an hour to 40 minutes yeah in between so i one of the documentaries i watched they somebody claimed that or it was like a theory that somebody had that she actually wore two dresses mm. and like just the one that she murdered them in like just took it off and like left and just had another one underneath that's how she did it fast if she did do that she would have been sweaty because it's june and it's oh gross. yeah she would have been so sweaty but Honestly, we should have done our research better. We should have got clothes from the late 1800s and done like era a contest and tried to see like how hard it is to take I on probably that. would have ripped it because I don't know. It, you're nervous. I don't think you would be calm if you just killed your parents. So you're probably shaking and trying to get it off know, or on. I know. You would like miss your buttons, I feel like. And this really did all happen in 15 minutes. Like it's, it is, that's not a lot of time. Mm-mm. I mean, it is enough time to hack someone to death, but. Times of the essence, people. To get your bearings together and make sure that you don't have any blood on you. Yeah. Unless, well, let's just keep talking for a second here, guys. Okay. Let's look at the crime scene, which could could explain um, a clean dress on Lizzie. A proper Victorian gentleman, like Andrew, would not normally come home on a hot, humid August day and use his coat as a pillow. He'd hang it up on the hall rack, because it's a lovely coat and he wouldn't want to ruin it. Now, let's say Andrew had hung his coat up, as he normally would have done, and took a little snoozy, and then Lizzie wrapped um, Lizzie wrapped her dad's coat on backwards and whacked him to death. You know what I mean by backwards? Like, ha- having a coat, like, so the front is, the back is in your front, like that. Is it a Snuggie? Oh my god, yeah, it's a Snuggie. <laughs> she used his da- her dad's coat as a Snuggie and whacked him to death. And when the splattering was done, she just took the coat off, rolled it up, and put it under his head. Hiding his blood with his blood. I mean, that makes sense. There were some accounts that believe Emma was the real murderer. However, there is no evidence to support this theory. Unlike Lizzie, Emma never displayed discontentment in her life. She seemed happy, and Emma was reportedly not at home at the time of the murders, as she had visited some of her friends that day. She was informed of the tragedy by a family friend through Telegram. (laughs) That's rough. Another fact that was revealed during the trial was that Emma was in love with a man who was of a much lower status than hers. Her father had opposed their marriage. Of course, you can't marry lower. Mm. This fact was also considered as one of the reasons for Emma's hatred for her parents, supposedly. According to the 1984 book Lizzie by crime writer Frank Spearing, even though Emma had an alibi, she may have been the murderer. The book suggests that she was at Fairhaven, which is about 15 miles away from Fall River. She may have secretly visited the residence later to murder her parents and then returned to Fall River. If you ask me, that sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like a lot of work. Sounds mm, like a much harder explanation than saying it was Lizzie. (laughs) Not to say that it couldn't have happened, though. Right. But, you know, you hear horse hooves, you say it was a horse, not a zebra. I heard that somewhere. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Writer Richard Little, former math teacher in Massachusetts, came out with the book Cold Case to Cold to Case Closed, Lizzie Borden. 
where he states the killer is none other than Uncle John Vinicom Morris himself, their uncle. He was the brother of Mr. Borden's first wife and the two girls' um, biological mother. According to Lizzie's inquest testimony, if you take stock in her account, he is unaccounted for from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., just about noon, after the murders had occurred, and his alibi was that he was visiting a sick relative down the road with the family town doctor who was at the Bordens that very same day at that very same time. Everyone's going to visit, like, sick friends and relatives, huh? I know, but this one's super sketchy to me. Yeah. Um, to add to this, Mrs. Borden was found dead in the room that John had slept in the night before. That's the guest bedroom. Also, Lizzie told the judges that John probably knew about her father's will, and apparently John had a failing livestock business he shared with Mr. Borden. Uh, Richard Little states in his book that John may have used a meat cleaver as the murder weapon because his profession was none other than a butcher. Mm-hmm. So, you know, butchers just carry meat cleavers on them all the time. Hmm. Yeah, so he has a failing business with his business partner, had access to a murder weapon, knew about a will, and was kind of unaccounted for during this whole Borden death ordeal time frame. It's a little bit sketchy. Okay, so the night before the murders, right? Remember, he's sitting in the like dining room with um, Mr. Borden, and Lizzie came in, and she hears them talking. Yeah. And our tour guide was like, "Yeah, since they didn't have electricity, and it was probably really late at night, the candle was probably down. They most likely were just sitting in the dark <laughs> and like talking." Yeah. Um, and the day of the murders, when he is supposedly visiting his sick relative. He walks up the road, and at this point in time, there's maybe 200-plus people outside this house because mm -hmm. everyone's there. Everyone in town's heard of it. It's spread oh, yeah. like wildfire. She said, like, thousands, I think. Yeah. She said a lot maybe of Maybe she said, like, 2,000, but there was a lot of people because yeah. all of the factories pretty much just, like, shut down because they were like, oh, my God, our owner, like, just died. Like, we're <laughs> yeah. going to just go see, like, whatever. And then... He comes walking up from this horde of people. He goes around the side of the house. He allegedly grabs a pear, eats it in this crucial time, right? Yeah. And he has the audacity to walk into the house and say, what's up? And I'm picturing like Bugs Bunny shit, like eating the pear and going, oh, what's up, Doc? Like, oh what's happening? God. Right? Like, what the hell? And so... Of course, the police questioned him. He was okay. visiting a sick relative. We have no idea who the relative was. No one really looked into him much very i don't know why they didn't but apparently our tour guide told us that when he took the little trolley up to the house to get yeah. back from wherever he was from the sick relative supposedly he had like memorized who he was on the trolley with at like a certain time he memorized like the train conductor's hat number yeah yeah but you know what i want to know if the train conductor changes or if it would have been the same one on each single day of the week yeah i want to know that too and to meet the people on the trolley i feel like it's a small town if you just went to a i don't know if they had bars but if you went to like saloons i don't even know if they have saloons but if you went to something at night <laughs> when right? was prohibition yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> wouldn't you be able to like know who was gonna ride like i i don't know it's a small town well didn't she say that it was like rabbis that were on the trolley that he met yeah, or something but why would he be talking to a rabbi he's catholic yeah, I think that's the odd, like, that's almost, like, what made it more, more plausible, plausible, though, because it's, like, he would remember that, and they would remember that, because it was, like, a weird mm -hmm. interaction. Yeah. But, yeah, I know, it's a good point, because it's not like they have, like, 
a trolley app where like you can see right. like what the trolley number is going to be and shit. So if it is different every day, then that obviously gives a lot more credit to what he's saying. But I didn't, yeah, I didn't see that anywhere. If, yeah. if that's something that would be easy for him to know ahead of time. Yeah, and then I know in court, the judge was like, why did you go over to talk to Mr. Borden since you hadn't been there for, what, years, right, or something? A year, maybe? And supposedly, again, another freaking letter that was never found. Mm. He said that Andrew Borden had written him asking for help because he did want a partner in something, a new adventure or something in the future. But again, like the letter that Lizzie supposedly said Abby had disappeared john supposedly had this letter i think he was in on it i'd be really curious to know his bank account a couple months after this happened yeah i really think yeah some of the money he might have gotten something out of it yeah i don't know why they didn't like make more of a thing with him yeah i don't know i guess it just settled and people were just like "Mm, case closed lizzie probably did it but she's not guilty from it so (laughs) everyone just didn't look to i don't know but i just think he's really sketchy it is like it is and i i'm not convinced that he did it but i will say like it's a huge coincidence that he was Mm -hmm. there on that night or day when he's like not usually there yeah night and day he slipped over like like he she said it herself in the testimony lizzie she said that he'd only been there like once in the past couple years like Mm -hmm. well except over the past what like year or something he wasn't there he was in no, but, he like, was he town. was in the area. Like, he yeah. was on the east end of the country just because of family or, or something. Mm-hmm. So, like, he was in the area, but he still didn't drop by, like, all the time. So. Why? This little, like, these, this, they were, like, willy-nilly with having, like, guests over, huh? Yeah, like, I know. Anyone can come through <laughs> anytime. Like, la di da di da That's why you can't be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Also, the fact that he got those pears and walked in. Like, guys, pears are a huge theme in this story. Pears are huge. Unread notes that nobody can find are huge. I don't know. It's just like... Sick relatives are huge. Yeah, let's get a lot of evidence together that doesn't quite make sense, and we'll both use it. Like, There there are pears, like, all over the house. Like, it's really weird. Mm -hmm. Should we, like, should we go in and talk about our experiences there? Or do you want to talk a minute about... Our theories, or do oh. the end, or what? Um, I mean, it's not long. I just have my like one opinion. Oh, then just say your opinion. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I do think Lizzie did it. You do? Okay. Yes. I mean, I'm not gonna like. It's the most plausible answer. Mm-hmm. I just have to go with like what makes the most sense. Yeah. But I don't think there's any way that she's the only one that knew about it. Like, I think that's. I don't think that Bridget could have been in the house and like not known. Yeah, or I like think. had suspicions. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I so I'm not sure if Bridget like did it with her, or, like conspired with her or anything. But I'm sure Bridget knew what happened, whether or not like Lizzie told her like, "Yo, I just killed my parents." I don't mm-hmm. know, but I'm sure Bridget like was like, "Oh, she just did that." But I don't know whether she was like threatened by Lizzie or she was like, "I'm just like the maid. Like, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut." Like, wait till this ordeal is over and, like, leave. I'm not getting myself involved. Like, I get that, too. So, I think something like that happened. Um, I don't know if John, like, knew that it was going to happen. I don't know. I'm not too sure about that. I kind of think possibly Emma knew that it was going to happen at some point. Like, Lucy was probably like, yo, heads up. Like, I'm sick of these people. Like, I'm probably going to kill them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe didn't know it was going to be that night, but that's what I think. I can't be a rando off the street. Like, 
who would so is it somebody killing him because they had a bad business transaction like okay then they're gonna also like steal his money or something and mm-hmm. they didn't do that yeah so okay so here's my theory and it's super weird so i oh uh, i'm gonna hate not, this theory. no it's not super weird so okay uh, john's been in the town for about a year right i think this took city planning. City, sorry. The city of Fall River, the greatest city alive. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the goat of cities, if you will. Uh, he's been around, mulling around, and I think the sisters had some contact with him. And whether, I don't know whose idea it was, though, but I do believe that John, Lizzie, and Bridget were in cahoots. Emma, I'm a little unsure. I think she knew about it, but I don't think she was heavily involved in it because, again, she was staying with friends. She stayed out of it. I don't know. Maybe she didn't give it her blessing or maybe she was like, go for it. I don't care, but I don't want to be a part of it kind of thing. But here's the weird part. So nobody speaks of it afterwards, right, that we know of. It never cropped up. Like John didn't – I don't know if he had any relatives that he would have told, but it doesn't come up that he spilled any beans. Bridget ends up outliving – uh, Lizzie in the mm-hmm. end or Lisbeth in the end right yeah. and her, her children swear that she would never talk about it at all now say Lizzie did commit it and she was the mastermind behind it you would spill the beans as soon as she died I would I mean I would be like okay she's gone there's no threat her you know what I mean so Bridget had to have gotten something out of it or been involved because she wouldn't have wanted to indict herself yes if she was super involved. So I think Bridget either got bullied into helping, helped because she was in no position to not help. Again, she was a maid. She had no money. Yeah. She was off. She was probably offered like some money, land, something out of it because she disappeared after this happened. After the trial, Bridget ends up disappearing for a really long time. And then she crops back up in the United States, but not ever in Massachusetts again. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't raise your hand and say that you had – or, like, you knew anything about it afterwards mm-hmm. because then that you're basically incriminating yourself. Right. So that's – even if she didn't want it to happen but she knew it was happening and afterwards she's like, yeah, I knew it was Lizzie, then I feel like that's still not okay. Yeah, it's that's still, still incriminating. incriminating. Yeah. So I can see, yeah, for, for several reasons why she mm-hmm. was probably involved and didn't say anything. Maybe she also – maybe she didn't like them. Maybe, yeah. You know? Maybe she hated working for them because they made her wash the windows. Like, I'd be well, pissed. Well, <laughs> I mean, it is her job. But maybe, we don't know in, in the day-to-day interactions of how they talked to her and how they treated her. Maybe he that was a true. real dickhole to her. We don't know. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe he beat her or something. I don't know. That's yeah. speculation, guys. I thought I just pulled that out. Of, of course. <laughs> but anything's possible. So, yeah, maybe she she was in on the in on the plan. Yeah. I don't remember where she cropped up from. I know they told us on the tour. Yeah, it was, was in like freaking Oklahoma Was it Minnesota or, or Iowa, Oklahoma? It was like a weird state, guys. That it was like, weird. One of those weird yeah. like Midwest states. But she had she had family there because people assume mm-hmm. that she just went back to Ireland, that they paid her her way back to another country, basically. But yeah. whether she went there or not, um yeah. Oh, Montana, that's what it was. Um, it was Montana and just lived there until like 1948. So. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. That that's a little sketchy to me. So you think that John was involved with Lizzie? But what do you mean with oh like what, was it yeah, cahoots with her? Definitely. And I think that could explain um why there was no really no blood on Lizzie because maybe here's a crazy thought that I just thought of just right now. <laughs> 
So it is pretty weird that he was staying with a sick relative and then just magically walks up. No one checked him if he had bloody clothes. What if he did the axing or helped Lizzie back into her dress, but was there because he would have left the house and then he ends up walking like around and then like shows off from the trolley. He had plenty mm-hmm. of time, ditch his clothes, change into new clothes, do whatever he needs to do. Um, who's to say he didn't bring a spare change of clothes when he came and slept over? And you know what? what? If they find, like, if he stayed, but he said he wasn't guilty, they're going to convict a man of, if they knew he was there, he would be found guilty and go to jail. Oh, but I'm sure yeah. that they knew that it was going to be very difficult for them to find Lizzie guilty. Yeah. So they were probably like, well, if this whole theory is. Right, sure. Assuming it's correct. Then I'm sure they were like, well, we have to have Lizzie be the most suspicious one because she probably won't go to jail. Right. So we'll have her be the one that's, like, in the house when this whole thing's happening. Mm-hmm. Bridget will be asleep, you know, they will whatever. And John will not be there, so they will think it's not him. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was their big plan to incriminate Lizzie because she was the most likely to get off. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know. What do you think? Multiple people were in on it. Was it one person, an outside job, inside job? Let us know. But there's a lot of theories out there. And there's a lot of – you can twist almost any of the evidence in this story to help fit your theory, I think. And I think it's just one of those really frustrating cold cases that (laughs) we – It is. It's so annoying. And then I I also think about the motive because it's like – The why? Why couldn't – she could have moved out. Like it wasn't like a – Usually in that time, like, a single woman doesn't move out and live on her own. But, like, clearly she did it after her parents died. So it's right. not like it was, like, she couldn't. Crazy, right? So why didn't she, if she didn't like them, just move out? hmm And, like, the fact that it was, like, this crazy, like, intimate of a murder, as in, like, takes a lot of, um, I mean, this is it, like, hate, like, you hate someone when you hack them oh, yeah. 20 times or whatever. Yeah. So that does make me think that, like. They both got over time, yeah. More was going on in that household than we know about. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you don't just do that and then live your life perfectly. Yeah, and there's then something that we're missing out. here because, yeah, exactly. It's like she could have just moved out and had her way. Like, and again, I think her father would have let her if she had chosen to because he did gift them basically a entire house that they could right. run as a rental and they right. just sold it back so they're like nah it's too much yeah it is and I, I don't so, really understand I don't why know. they both and even emma was still living there yeah i mean maybe it is the comfort of home and it's just easier to maybe i don't know maybe they liked being at home and being cared for by a maid and a stepmother i don't know man there's just so much we can't know without like knowing them and knowing what was going on in the household yeah so annoying and so many people try but I yeah. think we're going to talk about our stay at the Lizzie Borden house now. Yes. Cool. Um, guys, this is going to be a little bit of banter, but there are some really cool stories about paranormal experiences in here. But for those of you who have maybe prefaced that they don't love banter, <laughs> this is the story of Lizzie Borden. So that's the ending. And this is our story now. <laughs> yeah, this is what uh, happened to us. Mm-hmm. I do highly recommend staying at the Lizzie Borden house. This is not sponsored. This is just amazing experience. If you go online right now, there's like 675 Google reviews of the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast Museum, and it has a 4.7 star rating. That's huge online, I think. That's pretty big. I don't know. I don't frequent bed and breakfast reviews. 4.5s are good. 4.7s are crazy, and 5 Mm. points are like... You're lying. Yeah, you're probably paying someone. (laughs) 
It's located again at 232nd Street. Remember, they changed it from the 92nd Street mm -hmm. um, in Fall River, Massachusetts. And we stayed one night here because we figured what else are we going to do on a Friday night in the summer? I mean, I can't think of any better way. I think we should also tell them what we did beforehand. Oh, yeah. This is a great time. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, we won't talk about it too long. But basically, we're like, you know what the best way to like prep for this Get night in Lizzie Bournemouth? Uh, obviously, go axe throwing. Duh! We need to practice our axe throwing in case Lizzie comes for us. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, so there's this amazing place. In Fall it's literally like one minute away from Lizzie Borden House in Fall River. Literally. Called Stumpy's. Great place, guys. Go check it out. Mm -hmm. Again, not sponsored. We don't have sponsors. We, that's not. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> that's not us. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. It's because some of those know because that'd probably be cool. Um, but like this place is so cool. It's an axe throwing place. There's a million of, of them like that exist now. Yeah. But okay, it's like bring your own booze. Mm -hmm. We literally bought a bottle of wine and they like put on ice for us. It was super cute. And gave us free goldfish. Yeah. I was like, what? You had your choice, pretzels or goldfish. Yeah. So obviously we went with the snack that smelled back. Obviously. <laughs> That's what you said. Um yeah, and like the whole place was really cute. And then oh my god, you walk in the back wall is just a huge mural of Lizzie Borden. Yeah. And she's like <laughs> she looks like a like a lumberjack. She's like decked out in like a plaid button down and she's like has an axe in one hand. Oh, she kind of looks like Rosie the Riveter. Like yeah. she had like a bandana. And in she her has head. the tattoo on her arm. Yeah, she had a tatted arm. It was so funny. Yeah. Picks on Instagram, guys, if you want to see oh, it. Oh yeah, go check out the pics. Um, we were really good. We I, were. I'm not gonna lie to you. Mm -hmm. Um, we both got multiple bullseyes. We got multiple bullseyes, guys. I am very I was very impressed with us. Yeah, I was too. It was like kind of hard at first, but then once you get it down, it's like really fun. Yeah, it definitely was a little physically challenging. Um, there's a lot more force that goes into it than I thought there would be. And I've done it before, but I guess I never did it for an hour straight. Yeah, but it was really fun and satisfying to it get was. it on the board. And we whoop. Joe. Joe was the guy that helped us out. He was a great, great mm -hmm. teacher. Thanks, Joe. Shout out. We gave him a sticker. He put it on his water bottle. My mom sent me a picture. Uh, that's awesome. And then they gave us this really nice, like, a, it's, they gave us a piece of the board, like the bullseye board. Yeah. It's like a bunch and of wood And it planks. was the piece of the bullseye. It was the piece with the bullseye in it. And he like he was like, thank you, killer babes. Yeah, it was so cute. And now we have that. It's so cute. Yeah, it's going up it outside. really nice. Um... So, yeah, I had a lot of fun there. I loved it. I'd 10-10 go back. Definitely, definitely got me in the mood for what was coming next. And it was definitely. just so funny that that mural was up there. We were like, we're literally staying in her house tonight. And they were like, no, you're not. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, everything there was just perfect. I mean, the aesthetic was on point. There's, like, flat everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's very cute, like, wood cabin feel. Yeah. Um, Edison light bulbs everywhere. Like, guys, if you're in the area, you have to go. You got to go. And you can bring your own booze. And it's, like, in a good location, too. You can go out somewhere after that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, highly recommend Stumpies. Highly. Check them out. Uh, check them out on Instagram. But anyway, then right after we were done there, we had to scoot a skedaddle because we were stayed a little longer. Um, oh, yeah. But we rushed off to the tour that started at the Lizzie Warren house because they kick it all off with a two hour amazing tour. Yeah. Um, Which we're going to talk about. Yeah. But a little bit about the accommodations first, just really quick. The accommodations include free Wi-Fi, free breakfast, which we'll talk about, free parking, air conditioning, which is the most important thing. <laughs> and I guess you can do laundry, too. In yeah, the they have the laundry machine in the so basement. Funny. Yeah. 
The house itself is the original house where the 1892 double murder took place. And it's known for paranormal activity. A lot of people can't stay the entire night there. And FYI, if you do end up booking one, just know that they don't offer refunds if you cannot stay the whole night. It's not their fault that you're a little scaredy cat. Ooh, okay. <laughs> the house is just as it was, the decor inside, duplicated with a lot of authenticity. You can't tell the difference. And some things actually are original, like the hardware, the doors. They have some of the artifacts um, behind glass, too. Like Lizzie Borden has books there that she signed and stuff. Um, in fact, it's kind of crazy, Well, we'll go into it, but really quick, Lizzie Borden's like biography was published while she was like still alive and yeah. <laughs> she, she obviously read it and hated it, but, um, <laughs> it's there. So you're literally transported back in time. Everything is from that time period. And we stayed one night in the Lizzie and Emma suite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were in, we slept in the room that Lizzie slept on her sweet little head every night. Every night. Yeah, it yeah, it's pretty comfy, I guess. It oh. was really hard. I mean, guys, I don't think the bed was the original bed. The beds that are not Bobblepedics or Tempur-Pedics. A bit uh, problematic, yeah. but um, yeah, it still wasn't the, the best of beds. Mm-hmm. So the suite that we stayed in shares a bathroom with the John V. Morse room, which was the guest room. They just la- named it that, but it's the guest room that they used. And then the same room that Abby Borden was murdered in. Yes. So no murders occurred in the room we stayed in because it was just the Emma and um, Lizzie's bedroom. But um, we were right next to the guest room where Abby died. Yeah. So, again, we got to the tour kind of late. They actually restarted it for us, which was really nice. Sorry. I think it was only, like, five minutes. Left, it so was, like, not She was, like, doing introductions, I think. Yeah. But we're going to walk you through our tour a little bit because there was some cool information that I think adds a little bit to it. Yeah. And then there were some paranormal experiences that our tour guide told us about. Um, we started in the formal sitting room, which had a china cabinet and piano. And the china is pretty original, and mostly everything in the house was recreated again through time period furniture and photos from the crime scene. Shout out to being the second in the world to use crime scene photos again. Yeah, we mentioned that in the last episode, but um, yeah, this was the second case in the entire world to use crime scene photos. And the first? First in America. Oh, the first was Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super cool. I mean, they're pretty positive on placement and type. And the, the only thing that they said was, like, color. But honestly, okay, everything is patterned. Everything is wallpapered. Yo, these people love their patterns. Yeah. It is, like, oof. It's, oof. yeah. It's, I don't know what they were thinking back then. I mean, I know florals and wallpapers and patterns usually probably meant you were, like, rich as fuck. But they had no Joanna Gaines in their life. <laughs> That's Yeah, they needed it. It was, oh my goodness, it was crazy. So just a really quick shout out. If you do want to see the photos of the houses and all of the axe throwing, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Killer Babes Podcast and Twitter got cut off. It's Killer Babes Pod. Just put a little plug in the middle, but no big deal. (laughs) The tour group was about like 14 people, I think, like 13, 14 people who stayed overnight. Yeah. Yeah, it actually accommodates quite a bit of people. Yeah, it does. Um, And I think they throw up cots, like, in the attic if you do want to have a bigger group. Like, that one Mm -hmm. I think could fit – I think online it says, like, eight or nine or something. Like, it can fit a big big amount of people in there. Yeah, it was – yeah, it was spacious. Just only had one bed. Yeah. So this sitting room that we were in, it's right next to – it's on the left of the front door if you walk in through the front door. It's not the one that Andrew Borden was murdered in. They actually have two sitting rooms. I think this one was the formal sitting room. Mm. And there's some 
pretty quirky pieces in the room, actually. So the piano's a little funny. There's sheets of music on it from the song, You Can't Chop Your Papa Up in Massachusetts. It's to be played moderately bright, composed by Michael Brown. Um, quite the show tunes classic, if you ask me. Can't chop up your papa in Massachusetts. I don't know yeah. how it goes, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know the tune, but that was good. It's pretty, pretty uh, humorous of them. Yeah, I mean, I'd sing it, but I sang in the last episode, and we're trying to gain followers. So. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah, and I can't read sheet music. That's the real reason. Oh, yeah. And the other coolish thing in that room was a piece of art on the wall. What is the art, you ask? Victorian hair art. Oh. Hair art. Yeah. You need to stop what you're doing right now and one, YouTube the song, listen to it, and then while the song's playing in the background, <laughs> open your second browser and Google Victorian hair art. It is fascinating. It is disgusting. I like history, so I'm just going to give you like a really short piece of history right now because I looked it up because I was like, who makes hair art? Like, why? Um... Karen Bachman wrote in an essay for the book Death, a Graveside Companion that hair art actually has its roots in the 17th and 18th century because death was everywhere. They had high infant mortality rates. The keeping, quote, the keeping and saving of hair for future use in jewelry or other commemorative crafts such as wreaths was common. And then in the Victorian era by Queen Victoria, the cult of the dead became a mania in Britain because she was essentially like the OG murderino. Hell yeah. Um, unfortunately, her beloved husband, Prince Consort Albert, died. But that kind of threw into a state of mourning, uh, formal mourning, that lasted pretty much forever. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> kind of bringing me some great expectation feels. I don't know. It's, it's really weird. It encouraged like a fashion for mourning in popular culture on both sides of the Atlantic, and it lingered until kind of the turn of the 20th century. And then the trend followed in the U.S., and, you know, it, the high death toll of the Civil War further fueled this trend. But basically, death was in. Like, they wanted to keep it around. I get it. It's so interesting. <laughs> and if you think about it, like, a lock of hair will keep its color for decades, maybe even centuries, depending on how you preserve it. Um, so the, I guess the art crafted from hair is a little creative. Uh, but the photos on Google, it's so interesting. They braid these hairs into jewelry. They loop them into flower petals. Um, they ground it up for pigments. I don't know. It's just kind of like a nice snapshot frozen in time. Ugh. Promise me you'll make hair art of my art. No. Yeah, you'll make nope. pretty flowers. No, I will not. I would make it of yours. I will put it in my will that I do not want you to. <laughs> I don't. They must have like mad hair gel. Like how do you have it all say? I don't know. I think it's pretty. I don't know. I think wanting to keep a piece of somebody is pretty common. Like remember in the um, there's like a Kardashians episode where Chris says she wants to be turned into a diamond. Oh, yeah. But that's someone's dust. Like, I don't know. That's still wearing somebody or like. It's crazy. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. That's kind of cool. You think cool. it's a little diff different? You can take my ashes and make a diamond with it. I think I'm fine with that. I can do that, but I can't have a piece of art on my wall. Yes, because then I feel like you're, like, displaying me. Oh, yeah. But and you're just using me, even in my versus death. Versus wearing you? Yeah, at least it's a diamond. It'll look Oh, pretty. my goodness. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. Uh, That's, like, biased to me, I feel like. I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be cool if you use a bunch of different hair and it was all different shades and then you did like a picture with like different colors. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like you're turning on Lulee. You can no, think on I don't it. like it, guys. It was weird. It looked weird. Pics on our Instagram. Yeah. 
Um, so the owner's name is Leanne. She's a very, very nice lady. Um, very we nice. met her while we were there. Yeah, so she's the current owner. Um, she had a paranormal experience in this very room. In Massachusetts, to be a bed and breakfast, you must be on the property when there are guests. Makes sense. Um, she actually, for the record, lives, like, in the ba- the garage. Like, they, they don't yeah. have the barn anymore. It's now, like, a garage, but it's, like, where the barn was. It's, like, a gift shop on the first floor, and then she lives on the second yeah, floor. Yeah, so she does live on the property. She just lives out in the back, uh, in the barn, uh, whatever, garage thing. Uh, but that night, she was laying on the couch in that sitting room during some renovations because all the beds were full. So she's asleep. And then she wakes up, and she sees from the door a what she described as a black shadow moving up the staircase. And needless to say, she, she slept in her car that night. <laughs> Still on the property. <laughs> she said there were a couple nights where, like, she slept in her car. Like, she yeah. was in there, and then she was like, nope, I'm sleeping in my car tonight. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> Being the owner of the house. Yeah. Okay, so then we moved into the dining room, um, which we actually had breakfast in, too, but we'll go uh, in chronological order. So in the dining room was the coroner's board propped up on the wall. We already mentioned it in episode 20 part one, but the board was very flimsy, guys, from what we said. It's like full of holes, resembles like a garden fence, whatever. Um, I guess it was easier to bring this to the scene of the crime. That does make sense because they always pretty much do their corn coronering at the crime scene. Mm-hmm. So contrary to belief, they actually moved the dining table to the side of the room. So they didn't actually do any autopsies on the dining room table. They moved it, put the corner board there, and that's where Andrew Borden was inspected um, for the first autopsy. Remember, the second autopsy took place in the cemetery itself of Abby. The room also houses skull replicas for both Andrew and Abby, and there are photos on display from the crying scene and their head injuries. So I feel like the like the pictures at this house were like a mix of like pictures that were there, like or supposedly were there at the yeah, time like and then period. also like the other half of the pictures are like of the crime scene which is like a little confusing but still very interesting to see on the wall there's a document recorded on may 2nd 1887 entitled copy of land transaction that caused rift between lizzie <laughs> emma and mrs borden that's what this document was titled it was really um, tough to read too oh it was like, it was very, like cursive. Cur- very and they don't teach that anymore so yeah we can't read cursive yeah. i don't know how <laughs> In the kitchen, uh, Sue, who was our tour guide, she tells us that one time she actually tried to debunk the theory that if Lizzie was ironing in the dining room, she would have heard Abby being attacked or at least falling to the ground. So they picked a member from the crowd one random night. It wasn't the night we stayed there, unfortunately. This sounds so cool. I know. I wish we'd done it. I know. Um, They picked a guest who was roughly the same size and weight of Abby and sent her to the guest room to fall on command. Then people spread out all over the house to see if you could hear a thud. So what was the conclusion with this little experiment? Well, those in the kitchen heard the thump. The dining room shook, but you couldn't hear anything in the basement. Hmm. So depending on where you were in the house, you either most likely heard it or maybe didn't hear it. Which is confusing to line up with Lizzie's testimony because she's always changing where she was. But right, if she was in the kitchen or the dining room like i think she in the end really said that she was in the dining room yeah reading like a magazine yeah um she probably would have noticed something 
But maybe it was just a little shake. Maybe she didn't hear anything. Maybe, maybe that she was, was normal. Hard of hearing. Maybe did anyone ever check? Maybe her she hearing? had her AirPods in. Yeah, <laughs> this would be again the episode <laughs> of the Hill. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, we need to do that. Uh, okay, so then we moved into the infamous murder room. Well, one of the murder rooms. This yeah. is the living room where Andrew Borden was murdered on the sofa. It is quite cozy. There's a fireplace there and a little bookcase now. I'd almost want to spend more time in that room, aside from the fact that Andrew Borden was brutally murdered in his own home in that yeah. exact location. But besides that, it was very comfy. It was pretty cozy. It was nice. It's where Honestly, I, I liked the couch. The, cou- the couch was pretty comfy. I was sitting on that a lot. <laughs> it wasn't the exact it same couch. Velvet. But, you know, they didn't mm-hmm. say it wasn't. Yeah. Well, they did. But <laughs> yeah, Okay. <laughs> Now, looking at the crime scene photo of Andrew Borden, it's interesting to note that in his photo, his shoes are on. Lizzie Borden said that she took her father's shoes off when she met him downstairs the day of the murders to help him relax. Oh, father, are you going to take a rest? Let me take your shoes off. <laughs> I would never do that to my dad. Yeah, he'd be like, he'd be like, like oh, this is stanky. <laughs> <laughs> um, did someone perhaps put the shoes back on or were they never taken off? I think we... <clears throat> Heard that it's possible that, um, like, the police that came in the house to start investigating. So for some reason, it was, like, improper for a man in that stature to have his shoes off. So, like, yeah. he, the, the police might have put them back on for him just because it's, like, a, a yeah, proper thing to do back then. Why they'd want to do that because that is pretty much interfering with the crime scene. I mean, yeah, that's – they interfere in a lot of ways, but – there also happens to be two Ouija boards in the corner of this room as well, but we'll come back to that. Of course they have some Ouija boards stacked there. They yeah, could right. not. So we backtracked through the house to make our way up to the front stairs, which was the, the stairs that are like you see them directly first thing when you open the front door. Right. Um, so you walk up these stairs. They're like It's like skinny and like creaky. And then we were told to look to our left as we went up because, and this is pretty significant fact, as you walk up the stairs, if you look left, like, right as you get to the next floor, you can see, like, directly into the guest bedroom. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, the guest bedroom. And you can see directly underneath the bed. Like, it's a clear shot There's to no bed the skirts. other side. No, yeah, they didn't have bed skirts. So, um, if Abby... If somebody had walked up those stairs um, and Abby was lying on the floor, like she was, on the other side of the bed, like... You could absolutely see that. I mean, you'll be able to see, like, a mass of something on the ground. Definitely. 100%. So you wouldn't be able to miss that. Like, if you were going around searching for someone and you took any effort to walk up those stairs a few steps, like, you would have seen her. Mm -hmm. It's within your sight. For sure. It's not even, like, side-eye. No. And then in this room, there's, like, pictures, because it's called the John Morris room. Um, There's a picture of John Morris. And I just think it's funny because our tour guide was like, who does he look like? And I was like, I don't know. It's just like a cross between Abe Lincoln and Will Ferrell. <laughs> and and he <laughs> does. It's Abe Lincoln had a kid with Will Ferrell. Oh, my goodness. Immediately. That is what John Vinicom Morris looks like. <laughs> it's true, guys. Google him. It's an exact yeah. Super, super description. Um, and, okay, so in this room, when Abby was found, if you look at the crime photos, it kind of looks like Abby is on her knees. And oh, yeah, down. this is an interesting fact, yeah. But again, police officers at the time were not well-versed and not touching anything. So what they did, they actually moved, like, a bunch of furniture. And the way she fell made her legs exposed. 
So yeah. when they fixed her, they fixed her dress. They pulled it back over her legs, but they didn't fix like the undercoat part. Yeah, of like her dress. the bunchy part. Yeah, and so it just makes it look like one, her rump is huge, and it that does. she's it's kneeling. not flattering. I feel bad. Like Google, Google. Yeah, if you guys Google like the crime scene photo of her, um, like the entire angle, so you can see her whole body. It does. It like it looks weird. Like she's almost like kneeling, and it looks like um, an awkward stance. But then once they explained that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. She just couldn't be exposed, so the policeman only covered her with, like, the top part. Because she was a woman. Yeah. And then also, we know that Abby was killed first just because when they did the autopsy, Andrew Borden's food was more digested than hers. Um, And then another fun tidbit is in the same room, there was a photo of a movie, The Legend of Lizzie Borden. And the person who played Lizzie in that movie had no idea until after the movie that she's actually a cousin yeah, of Lizzie Borden. This actress. I don't remember her name, but yeah. She, after the entire thing, she stumbled upon that fact. Yeah, it's crazy. So our tour guide stopped, and she... I think we'd actually moved into the next room now. I think we're in Lizzie and Emma's shared room, but she said that she had a paranormal experience um, when she was doing a tour once, that there was an icy cold finger that went like down her spine, um, and that doors of the room will randomly open and close and I think she told us that in the guest room sometimes the room just makes you really sad Mm. like you can't explain it you just start crying and like as soon as you step out of the room you feel better and she also told us during the tour she was like if anyone here gets really bad headaches or starts to feel a little queasy just step out of the room that you're in and you should feel better literally in a minute instantly yeah which is crazy it's like, I don't know. That gave me, like, the chills. And I think I instantly got a headache after she said that. <laughs> yeah, that was – You were like, wait, I have a headache. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, like, on command. super weird. I don't know. It's it's super interesting. So the Lizzie and Emma's bedroom was pretty cool. Um, nothing really paranormal happens in that room, though, that we found out. Yeah, because when they take you through each room, they tell you, like, what's happened there before. And they had even had a booklet where they show you – photos of anything that mm-hmm. any guests have ever captured and basically we got into our room and they were like yeah we don't really have any evidence for this room like there's <laughs> there's nothing too much that's happened here and we were like yes a score yeah. it's actually really interesting though because she said that when ghost hunters come and stuff that lizzie doesn't actually like being in that home no oh, yeah her ghost resides at maplecroft right home. yeah she'd much rather be at maplecroft and she doesn't yeah. like when people summon her no yeah. to the, her old house yeah. So I was like, okay, Lizzie, you chill at Mavencroft. Like, I'm good here. I'll sleep solo tonight. I'll sleep in your bed. It's good. Yeah. So we moved into, after the tour, we moved into the Andrew and Abby suite where yes. they stayed, which is literally connected from Lizzie Borden's room. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just like a little latch. And they, but you don't go through that. No, they didn't. Door. They latched that and then they used, um, so if you were actually back then part of the family, you would never go up that way to get into the John Morse, not John Morse, um, Andrew Borden room. Yeah. They, there was another staircase on right. the other side of the house to yeah. use that for the master. It's basically like the top floor was split in half with like, think of it as just like a solid wall. Um, okay, so there was one weird instance of the Andrew Borden room. Do you remember that one? The family? Yeah. With a kid and like his mom and grandma or like something. I think it was like mom and dad, yeah. It's, I thought it was two women, but oh, I don't, I don't quite remember. I don't remember, yeah. Yeah, they were saying like... 
after uh, they do the tours, like, usually the tour guide will just kind of hang out with the guests for a while and they'll, like, tell stories and stuff. So she said on this night she was hanging out with all the guests, like, after the tour and they were just chit-chatting. And it was late. She yeah. said they were staying up to, like, 1 or 2 a.m., like, just talking about stories and, um, you know, what else are you going to do in the Lizzie Borden house? Yeah. But the kid was young, so he went to bed, like, fairly early with his mom. So they were up there alone going to bed in the Andrew Borden uh, room and Abby Borden room. And all of a sudden, all of the other guests heard this, like, huge thud. And they saw these three people, like, running out of the house. Just, just left. And then they all go upstairs and they were like, what happened? Like, what's, what's going on? So they took a look and they, <laughs> these people knocked down the door that connects. Yes, yeah, ruined the door that had been there <laughs> since ever. Yeah, so there's a little latch on the door, um, which was really the only way they keep it closed now. Like, they used to, like put furniture up against it but now they just have a latch on it but these people broke through that latch they were <laughs> out of there they were out of there they didn't come back that night they just left and they did not receive a refund they did not receive a refund as we told you they wouldn't yeah um but yeah apparently they just saw something or heard something and just left left Couldn't and then the bolt on that door has not been the same since yeah, <laughs> according to Sue. one yeah yeah <laughs> But, I mean, there's just a lot of experiences. They're, like, black mist that's in the house that sometimes comes yeah, up. Yeah. That's the theme. It's, like, this black... And it's Andrew Borden, supposedly. Like, the black mist is always, like, associated with him. Yeah. That's how I got the feel of it. Yeah. So that's definitely him. And then there's this other, like, white mist yeah. fog thing that they talk about. Yeah. Um, which appears. Seeing a lot. Which appears. And they have photos, evidence of this, like, white mist. Yeah. And I think also of the black one. Um, that the guests have taken when they've stayed and then the guests like hand it over to them and they're like, yeah, you can have, you can take this. Yeah. And then they send the photos off to like a lab or something. Yeah. That disproves like an app or like, uh, trying to like distort the photo. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't know what that really means. I mean, well, I you guess you can tell that it hasn't been. Stuff. Yes. Yeah. But you can't confirm that it's a ghost. Like it could also yeah. still just be smoker it could be but i think it's weird when there's multiple cases of it because i don't know there's nothing out there that says if you bring like a camera and like do this this and this yeah. you'll get this result like i don't know it's super weird and the photos aren't from like yesterday there's a couple that are a couple years back and like yeah. there's some every year so it's very strange mm -hmm. i did not personally see it when we were there oh yeah me neither but others have did not see any mist, guys. Mm -mm. Nope. So then the tour took us up to the attic, which I think attics in general just have a really bad rep of being creepy. Yeah. I don't love the attic. I don't know if I could stay in the attic. That's one place that I was, like, grossed out by. Then in the attic, there's, like, another room that they made. And I think back then it was kind of just a storage room. I don't think it was a room or anything. But... It might have just been where they played when they were younger or something because it actually has haunted activity, but it has haunted activity from children, yeah. which which is the worst kind of haunted activity. I'm terrified of children. I hate them. Just like in general, <laughs> they terrify me. But when they're dead, like it's a whole new level of terror. Yeah. I don't know so, what it is. There's been reports of hearing doors jingle, kids laughing, footsteps, and, like, the words mama and ball. That is a no in my book. That's yeah. a straight mm -hmm. hard no. <laughs> I'm not trying to, like, have any little dolls. Like, Oh, no. Nope. So, this yeah, this side room has, like, a chest and it's full of dolls and toys. Yeah. But the dolls and toys aren't actually from anything. It's from guests coming, either trying to bring the children out 
or trying to like appease them. Yeah, or yeah. So it's kind of weird. And you might be wondering, like, why are there children in this house? There's no recollection of children besides like Lizzie and Emma being children, right? Yeah. The yellow house next door actually has haunted activities. It was the Kelly house, but in 1840, Ludwig Borden lived there with his three children and a wife, and she was suffering postpartum depression, and she threw her three children in a well. Um, Unfortunately, only the oldest survived. So the two children that died, their names were Elijah and Holder, like... I just, as immediately when she said those names, I just thought of Game of Thrones, like, Hodor. Oh, yeah. I was like, no, not Yeah, Hodor. that age, that name has not aged well. No. Hodor. Yeah, so it's kind of weird. And, like, I guess they asked a lot of people. They were like, why would the children be in this house, though? That's so weird. Why would they not be in the yellow house? But yeah. I guess back then, the children, because they were family, the children did come over and play in the attic. And they did frequent the house. So when um they die... They want to be back with others. And because that house has a stronger presence of spirits and ghosts, it drew the children to a familiar place where they did frequent. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's just where they are now. And I guess they think it's funny to scare people. Um, It's it's really scary to me. (laughs) But yeah, they, they think that's fun. And then we moved downstairs after the attic. We went to the lowest part of the house, the basement. Yes. Eek. Uh, the basement? So the basement, like, picture your typical, like, old grandparents' house basement with, like, concrete walls and just, like, well, at exposed this point. Stone. Exposed stone. At this point, the floor is, like, normal, but yeah. back then it was um, dirt. It was just dirt floor mm-hmm. basement. Um, not that big, but definitely big enough to hold a lot of storage. And then that's where they have the laundry mm-hmm. machines down there. Now, obviously not then. Yeah, um, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> they had like a wash bin back then, I guess. Oh, they also had the... Oh, yeah. Uh, l- latrine? 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 Is that yeah. what you call it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just had like little two pots down there. But super unrelated to the whole thing. I guess like someone just found it at like an auction and thought it was cool. And so it's just, like, resting there right now. Oh, yeah. They have, like, a replica of it now. Yeah. Yeah. You were talking about the wall Mm. behind, like, the – what is it? I think it was the wash bin, I think it was the wash bin, yeah. It's, like, in this little, like, weird and cave – Cubby hole, yeah. Cut out thing, part of the wall where they would put their wash bath thing to wash rags and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And the wall behind it was, like – white but like fade like you could like when you first looked at it you're like okay it's a little faded like it just looks like an old wall mm-hmm. um and the tour guide was like yeah like they've tried to paint this wall multiple times just pure white yeah but like this thing keeps coming through and she was like you guys take a picture like take out your phone put the flash on take a picture of it and tell me what you see and we're like mm-hmm. uh, okay yeah <laughs> so everyone starts doing that and when you put the flash on it's easier to tell that there's like th- an outline of like a face there's eyes and nose and a mouth it's like the structure of a face in like the faded parts of the the paint on the wall mm-hmm. and she's like yeah they tried to repaint it and it just keeps coming through which i don't know how i can verify that but if yeah. it's true it's weird we'll post a photo of, or have we already yeah, we, we have did. yeah um it definitely looks like a face. I mean, I don't really know how you get it to look like that. I don't know either. By making a wall, like... Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It was weird. It was definitely pretty weird. It was really cool. 
everyone was like, move over. I want to take a picture. Yeah. We um, all got our photo. Yeah, um, we did. It is super strange. That part, I didn't really believe. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I could take other things and just be like, yeah, that could totally happen. But this, I was just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it could, I guess. I mean, like, okay, it's not a perfect face. Yeah. So, like, if somebody tells you, hey, it looks like a face, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, it does. Right. And it could just be, like, the divots of the wall. Like, it wasn't a perfectly, like smooth wall yeah there was some texture it could it. be just the way the wall is it just yeah know. that's the one thing down there that i was just like eh, okay maybe yeah whatever we'll go back upstairs so that kind of concluded our whole tour before she left for the tour though we actually like went outside and talked a little bit and she was like showing us more photos and video evidence that she had and then we went into the sitting room the one where andrew borden was killed and this one this one gives me chills this was like the only personal experience that we like I truly had. Yeah. I don't know if you have the same results, but no. <laughs> I've never heard of a dowsing or spirit stick before. Our tour guide had me hold them and I've never done it. The only th time I've actually saw them. So I guess I kind of did know what they were, but I didn't know how to use them. I don't know. I I already believe in spirits anyway and ghosts, and I think it's definitely harder to debunk something when you're a part of it. So just a little um, information if no one knows what it is. A dowsing, aka divining, um, is actually an ancient practice of holding twigs or metal rod, and it's supposed to move in response to hidden objects. It's often used for water, and farmers in California actually, they're known to ask dowsers to find water to help irrigate their land. And divining is the method by which people claim to be able to locate water just by walking over an area until they observe like a response with it um such as if you're using two it could be a fork stick maybe it could bend the rods or even a pendulum can be used so you actually have experience with them yeah i literally have used them at work before like um if i'm out in the field with a contractor and he's trying to look for where the water main is in the street because he doesn't know exactly and it's not marked they literally have these, they call them divinity rods. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the exact same ones as you use for a ghost. But he just uses like one. Um, well, in my experience, he used one. And basically you just take it and you hold it straight in front of you and you just walk like across the width of the street. And when you hit, the like when you step where the water main is below you, like five feet below you underground, it turns in the direction like parallel to the water main. And that he's like, okay, I found it. And I remember I was blown away when I first like saw that. Yeah. And I was like, well, how how is this real science? Like, yeah. I don't know. Right. But it works. Like it works, but also like I try to research it and people don't really know why it yeah, works. Yeah, nobody knows why. Like I'm very confused. If somebody knows more than me about it, please like let us know because I it's very confusing to me. So but it's a real thing. Like we literally use it in everyday life to like find water underground. So yeah. I'm not too sure. It's like something about the way like it finds the energy. current of the water is like the flux of the water is somehow making the metal rod turn. Yeah. I, it's a little bit weird, but it's really cool. So it is a real thing, mm -hmm. but and I guess I can see how it would transfer over like it gets energy. Mm -hmm. So it's like energy from moving water, maybe it's energy from spirits. Like I I get the connection. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's just, it's so funny to me too, because like you work in a very well-respected profession. Um, like everyone respects like what engineers do, obviously no one's like engineers. They don't know what they're talking about. Right. But like, as soon as a ghost hunter <laughs> uses it, they're like, that's fake. Like it just, it blows my mind. You know, I just think it's, and so I, weird. And I do that too. I don't, I don't think, I don't yeah. think you can find a ghost with it, but like, I don't know. It's uh, crazy. I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't either. And people actually use these dowsing sticks or divinity sticks or uh, spirit sticks. They're all called different things, but they're the exact same thing. I guess it really kind of depends on what you're using it for, for what you call it. Mm -hmm. But they use them to find hidden archaeological structures, too. So I don't know. Like, why are people using them? Ugh, it's crazy. So one theory uh, about this is that muscles in the body react to like electromagnetic effects caused by metal, water, you know, flowing through the pipes, etc. And then the rods just amplify the effect. So the searcher or whoever's using it just becomes aware of it. Um, that's pretty crazy. That's crazy because then that's saying that it's like it's actually you like you're finding the water. Right. Well, so this is the theory that um, some diviners know from experience and local knowledge where groundwater would likely be located. Mm -hmm. So just subconsciously, uh, because you're so well-versed in where water would be the main pipes and stuff, it just causes the reaction subconsciously. So you might not even know yourself, but like deep, deep down somewhere in your brain, because brains are magical things. They really are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they are like, you have so much knowledge. Like when you are, um, what's it called under hypnosis like you can remember more things yeah that you, like, never would have known i don't know it's crazy so it's a big debate does divining work does it not work is there electromagnetic theory out there you know why so then then that's also kind of saying that if you're using it to find ghosties then it's all in your head right if you're basing it off that theory right it's just you thinking like okay now there's a ghost and it's responding yes or no so i'm moving the rods mm-hmm so, I mean, we know it picks up energy of some sort, whether it's your own energy or someone else's. Whenever they do scientific tests, none of the results come out consistent, like ever, ever. So I guess there's a theory or something that's called ideomotor movement, which is just muscle movement caused, again, by subconscious mental activity. So if you do believe in ghosts, it's going to move for you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's really weird. But because it is self-subconscious, it makes the movements that you're doing look totally real and natural and involuntary because it's almost like you don't know you're Which doing it. Which is why it. you're shocked when they start moving. You're like, oh my God, there's a ghost. Right. you don't even know that you're doing it. Yeah. It's actually the same phenomenon that lies behind like Ouija boards. Um, but for some reason, I believe more in the spirit rods now than Ouija boards because I feel like the Ouija boards, it's someone moving it. Yeah. And the spirit rods, it's you moving it. I don't know. I think if I think if we're like talking about water divining or water, uh, what did you call it? Divinity, like yeah. divinity sticks. I just don't think we can rule out like I don't think it's ridiculous to rule out spirit sticks or dowsing, divining, etc. But OK, so here's I'm going to tell you my creepy story, but it's up to you guys. I believe it. You don't have to. It's fine. But I was the first person to hold the rods. Um just because our tour guide tried it. And of course, everyone's like, oh, the tour guide's obviously moving it. So she gave it to one of us and it was me. And I got to ask a couple questions. First of all, you hold them both in your hands out really still, whatever. And um, you just said, like, are there any spirits out there? And what happens is the rods are straight and they'll cross for yes and then uncross and you'll ask another question. And if they stay parallel to each other, it's usually a no or there's no one there. Um, and then if you put one of them down, you can ask more specific questions like point to something or do this, do that. So what we did is um, 
ask a couple questions with it. And my, when I did it, the rods would move really slow and it was super, like you could tell there was movement there. But again, I was, I was wondering myself, I was like, is this my, my hand movement? Like, am I shaking? Mm -hmm. Are they not moving? Cause I'm doing something wrong. But the minute the tour guide, and I'm still holding these rods, the minute the tour guide said, please straighten out, the rods moved instantly. And it wasn't like a, like a delay, like 10 seconds, and then they moved instantly. As soon as she said that, the rods in my hand moved. And it was crazy. And then she asked another question, one that like I didn't know the answer to, or maybe subconsciously I did. And it was kind of like... She asked, you know, are there any spirits in the room? It crossed over to yes immediately. And then she asked, yeah. like, is Lizzie bored in here tonight? Crossed over immediately. Like, it was crazy. And there's no way, like, I was not reacting quick enough to be able to move it. Yeah. It was weird. It also is hard to, like, if you're trying to move them on purpose mm -hmm. and do a certain thing, it's actually hard to make it do exactly what We did you do it, though. Remember do. later at night we tried to do it? And it is possible. You can move it is. them. It is. But it is hard. Like, it, I would tricky. never have been able to do – I've never used them. I would never have been able to move them as fast as a response to what the questions, like, she was asking me. Mm -hmm. So, especially for my first time. There's just no way. So, that gave me instant chills. Yeah, you were freaked. I was not like, – I put them down. I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, thank you, spirits. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. I'm thank done you. This. Clocking out. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little It was much. super weird. And then later on in the night, actually, we passed them around. After she had left, we passed them around, too. And – we had someone else in the group ask who's the the principal because there was a, a group of like teachers there yeah. who the principal was and it was one person and um the spirit stick just instantly moved to the person and I was like that's super effing weird I don't know we didn't get any other paranormal activity from them afterwards though because when you tried them and I think maybe the spirits were just gone or maybe they don't come out because they know there's an <laughs> I took believer. the rods they're like nah we're out <laughs> absolutely nothing happened for you I know you did yes no you tried to ask like specific questions nothing but you know happened. what else is like I feel like I'm almost on the opposite side of the spectrum like if I think like some people are like subconsciously moving because they want to, it's almost like for me, it's like I want to prove everyone wrong. So I'm like subconsciously making them not move. You just think so? Oh my God. Maybe. That's a good, that's a good um, theory. I'm like, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Like, don't move. Yeah. Do you, oh, I just wish they had moved for you, but it's crazy because all the questions you ask, like, like, were there spirits here? No. Like, you asked specific spirits if they were there. It was a no. Yeah. So, and just before that, everyone else was saying like they were there. Everyone was like clocking in. Like, you well, asked. you actually did it, like, a couple hours after because you did it when it was just, like, you, me, and someone else. Oh, yeah. There was, like, another guest there. Yeah, you're right. To be fair, there was no activity throughout the entire house in the morning. No, yeah. Because so when maybe we they did leave. Basically, basically, nothing happened the entire night. Yeah. Like, we didn't see anything when... We slept with the lights we on, We stayed though. up for a while, and we were just, like, wandering around. Like three watched, or four. Yeah, it was yeah. late. I mean, I thought, like, if anything... I mean, I tried my hardest to stay up because I was like, if anything's going to happen, it's going to be at like three. Yeah. But we, at some point, we were just like, I can't keep my eyes open anymore. So we went up to bed and we did keep like a little lamp in the corner. On. Yeah. Sorry, I had to. It wasn't the entire thing. It was just a little lamp. Um, And there were, there were definitely times where like you were sleeping and I would just wake up and from your snoring, probably. Probably. And um, I would just be like okay, if I see something right now, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, am I going to wake her up? Am I going to freak out? I would be like, please, please just fall back to sleep. Like, I don't want to be awake right now. I don't yeah. want to see anything. I just don't want to. So I would, like, will myself back to sleep. But we ended up not seeing anything. And then the next day when we went to breakfast, 
we asked everyone and everyone basically said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so breakfast was um not bad. No, it was good. What were those Johnny cakes? Yeah, I think so. They were good. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, besides no one having any paranormal experiences throughout the night, it was a little bit of a bummer uh, for me because I really, really wanted some. I would totally be open to staying again. Uh, but breakfast was nice. It was nice to to go. And- yeah, home-cooked meal. Like, they cooked it that morning um, mm-hmm. on the on a stove that was, like, modeled after the original stove. So I was, right. like, kind of impressed. And, yeah, and I will say this. Uh, kudos to everyone in our group. We did not become scaredy cats. Everyone stayed the night. Yes. Unlike um, – No one ran out. Yeah, unlike a certain – I don't know if anyone watches Ghost Adventures, but apparently they were down in the basement. They got violently ill. They ran out of the room. Zach was the first one out of the room, which I don't really know who that is, but I think it's important I mean, to know that it. Zach was the first one out. <laughs> and the producers actually came the next morning to pick up the equipment. So yeah, they didn't even like. That's get, embarrassing. Yeah, that is a little bit embarrassing. Um, and then like other people, other famous people have been there. Dead Files. There's been famous um, psychics, mediums. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy Allen was there. And this is kind of weird. Okay, so really quick, we did try the Ouija board. There's a hundred-year-old Ouija board there that no one knows where it came from. But what they did before she actually came into the room, they hid it under the couch. And the minute she walked in, like, she wouldn't have known this. They did it before she got there. She instantly walked in and said, there's something wrong underneath this couch. You need to move it. And it was the Ouija board. Hmm. That's super weird, right? But, okay, whatever. Um, Also, they did tell us to not F around with it. Because, um, oh, yeah, things like, don't happened. steal it. Yes, they did say that at the very beginning of the tour. They're like, listen, we know some things go missing, but to this date, everything that's been stolen has been returned, and that included the Ouija board. Yes, which also could have just been a good play on their part to get you to not steal anything. <laughs> it could have been, but but the story was that, um, the Ouija board went missing, mm-hmm. and then, like, whatever, a week later, a couple weeks later, whatever it was, mm-hmm. they basically got it in the mail like it had been mailed back yeah Yeah, no return address with like a simple note what did the note say please make it stop or make it stop oh yeah that it was creepy it said like please make it stop so i mean was it like a prank who knows but mm. kudos to them because when they told us the story they did say that they were like we don't know if it's a prank or something really happened but they did tell us that anyway so i like that they prefaced everything with like whether it was fact or fiction, and whether mm-hmm. you should take it with a grain of salt or something. Yeah, it's true. They were very, very upfront about everything. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. I don't know. So that was kind of our experience there. The next morning, we did venture out. We ventured out to see Maplecroft in the graveyards. Yep. Uh, Maplecroft, I really can't wait till they open it. Um, yeah, that's going through some political battles right now. Yeah, that's what we were told. Um. Apparently, the owner has bought it, but mm-hmm. um, the city of Fall River does not want it to be open to the public right now for bed and breakfast. It's, like, a yeah. big, like, political thing that's going on. I think on. it's at the state level now, right now, going through just whatever politics are. Yep. It, meanwhile, they're, like, preparing. Like, they have the whole thing, like, renova- renovated. Yeah. And they even have, like, the tour that they're going to be doing, like, set up, but it's just held up, like... The city just just does not want... The city basically doesn't want to be known for this is what they kind of made it sound like. But what else do you have? I don't know. Like, if everyone else could take advantage of it, like, we got, like, Lucy Borden at the axe throwing place. Like, hello, like, that's perfect marketing. Yeah, Um, exactly. We got, like, the 41 Wax Beer from Buzzards Bay. Oh, yep. Like, Mm -hmm. 
and people like love that. They think it's like not funny, but like kind of funny. It's like a novelty. Like you go yeah. to Salem to learn about history, to get a little spooky, right? And to yep. go shopping. Like it's a tourist attraction. Yes. Whether yeah. you believe it or not, you're gonna do it. And it's like it's making money for the city. I don't get it. It's, I don't get it's it either. weird. I mean, I get not wanting it to be like corny and like sure, big yeah. signs everywhere, like go check out like the Lizzie Borden Death House. But like, there's no, no signs. No, yeah, there's no signs. Like, you wouldn't know what the hell that was if, if you didn't know. Uh, no, Driving down not. the street, it's just a normal house. Yeah. Like, there's not... There is, like, a little sign on the door, I think, that says, like, Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. Yeah, but it, again, that sign's small, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But So, we did just go to Maplecroft just to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, we couldn't go inside, but it was, it was like, a slight upgrade from her old house. Yeah, it had a wraparound porch that I was going to That closed. porch was nice it was yeah. gorgeous and then remember that how they said that oh my god she's a yeah. baller lizzie guys. borden lived it she up. balled out the second half of her life so she had um a car that i don't know the kind but it was like they said that it was um like a very noticeable car for that time mm-hmm. like no one else in the city would have had it it was like a prestigious car and everyone yeah. knew it was lizzie borden's and she had a freaking like gas station she had her own gas station at in her, her house. yard well i wonder if like, gas stations weren't normal back then. It, it was more like, yeah, cars. I don't know. But I, I don't think it's like the gas station we think of today. It yeah. was like a pump with gas in it. But whatever. That's yeah, but to have it at cool. your own house was, like, rare. That was awesome. And then she had a freaking, like, turn-style parking spot for her yeah. car. So, like, she would drive up her driveway, right? And at the end of it was, like, a circle that can move. So that, like, it can move and rotate the car back to go out the driveway. Like, you see that on, like, um, like what's that MTV show with, like, the welcome houses cribs or something cribs yeah 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 like that like celebrities hey, MTV, have that welcome now. to my crib and like at now if you had that like that would be a baller move but like in 18 like 1900 yeah she had that so again we have to a producer pick us up because i'm envisioning the yeah, hill somebody out there maybe like a six episode season that could get picked up for more but it is <laughs> hilarious in my head i mean yeah it's pretty rich and i would deck her out in some chains and i would zoom she in on the shot for sure as she's driving with a pair of prada sunglasses <laughs> turning with one hand on the wheel yes. like boom 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 <laughs> like yeah. Oh, I don't know. She seemed pretty cool, honestly. She seems like a really down girl. I mean, yeah, she was living her best life at, at that point in Maplecroft, and that's where yeah. she had, like, all her parties with her um, theater friends. Well, remember, so I guess, like, one of her favorite theater companies actually traveled to New Bedford, and they were performing, and she, like, got a bunch of personal cars to bring them back to her uh, house, and they were a huge rager. Awesome. You might as well if you can. You might as well. You might as well do the damn thing. Yeah. So I guess she lived it out. She lived it out. She used her money well. She donated it to a lot of charities. She um, donated it to servant ch- servant children, um, animal rescue. Yeah. I think she did numerous other charities in the community, which yeah. shunned her. Yeah, that's true. So I, I don't know. The house, like, wasn't that far from Second Street House. Though. It wasn't. It really far. was really close. So it was kind of like, I mean, it's on the hill. So yeah. it, I guess that's where she wanted to go. But it was like, okay. It was like around the corner. Um, it really was, yeah. And then from there, we went to the cemetery. So we just wanted to see their their graves. There's it's a, a nice pear tree cemetery. in the cemetery. That's, yeah. Weird. That is just a, a theme, people. There were pears on her grave and change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know how people, like, leave things on, like, I don't want to say celebrity's grave. That sounds stupid. But, well, like, a notable at, grave. Um, the vampire's grave. Yeah, Mercy Brown had stuff on hers, too. Um, but, yeah, someone put, like, a, a pair. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that pretty much concluded our day. It's a good trip. It's a full circle trip if you guys come down um, and see it. I definitely recommend staying there Mm -hmm. because I'd like to know if something happens to you. Yes, I do. I think you guys should all stay there and tell us what happened. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm sorry. I think we lied that it was going to be a short one, but it turned out to not be. So sorry. But we're caught up in it. This is the season finale. We had to do it, big baby. This is it. Stay tuned. We don't really have like a start date yet because we're gonna focus on some research and get like our next season up and going. But for the most part, I mean, you can follow our adventures. We're still gonna post stuff on Instagram, um, Killer Babes podcast, and we're still gonna keep you informed of what we're doing. If you yeah. care. If you don't care, that's fine. But um, I'm fine. It's fine. I'm yeah, not hurt it's about cool. it. We'll put it up on our bio so you can just like check it out. And we'll put like a, a tentative like return date. Yeah. But our next season, we actually went on Reddit. We got a couple. Um, yes, we're getting more ideas topics from the community because they the, know the best. The commune. So, yeah. Yeah. So while, while we're out and about looking around, we'll um, throw you some pics to keep you updated on where we're going. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe some hints. But there are some big surprises planned. There yeah. are. There's some good trips going. Yeah. I'm excited. Me too. And thank you for sticking around for season one. Yes. Thank you for getting through these long past two episodes. But I thought yeah. it was an incredible story. I think it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we had to do it. Like, hello. Had to do it. Had ha- to do it to Had him. to do it to him. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, let us know what you think. Let us know if there's anything else about the entire story or trial or whatever that you've heard of that we yeah. missed. Um, mm-hmm. Any interesting facts. There's probably some um there's a lot out there a lot of speculation too like we would love to know your theories yeah um again you can always utilize our email yeah no one's utilizing (laughs) that which i get like if you're on instagram emails just go on instagram and like whatever yeah it's fine Um, but we would love yeah we would love to hear that yeah thanks guys thanks girls thanks Thanks, boys and girls we're gonna go enjoy a couple weeks of summer i think we are and that's really what it's all about enjoy the time that you have before you get murdered too true yeah bye see ya